We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what is up green bay packers fans welcome back to another edition of the pack a day podcast your draft month edition of the pack a day podcast we are so close yet so far it feels like a lot has gone on in Packers land that is not related to the draft, and that is a little bit sad at times. But uh, we are here today to talk draft, and specifically, we're going to talk about some of the wide receivers in this year's draft class. Um, four guys that Andy threw at us for us to talk about. Not really any specific reasoning. We're talking about these guys, um, so you know, don't read into it too much just because I've had some people read into it whenever I talk about receivers too much. Um, and um, obviously I'm, I'm Jacob Morley. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Morley. I'm joined today by my co-host Ross Uglum, and we are talking about four wide receivers. Uh, but you know, as I was saying, you know, some people I'll, I'll mention a receiver and people ask me like, do they, do they hit the thresholds? Do they check the marks? Do they do that stuff? And sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes I just like a guy, even though, uh, they maybe don't fit all the thresholds that the Packers might like. And those thresholds are not the be-all, end-all anyways. It is just kind of a fun tool uh, to kind of look back on what the Packers have done. Um, but if you're interested in that, and again, I think I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, and the wide receiver position seems to be something that people are really interested in because it's, it's a fun position. But if you're interested in that, we do thresholds on every single position in this draft. Um, you can find that uh, over – at the Green Bay Packers uh, draft guide powered by Packer Report. If you are interested in buying that, it's 225 prospects um, with a Packer angle on every single one of them. And like I mentioned, the Packers people top 300 list is on there, which is essentially just a filter for every single player in the top 300. Uh, and do they hit specific marks that the Packers traditionally have liked? This year, I will say there are five wide receivers. Two weeks ago on the podcast, I said there were 15 guys that so far had hit every single threshold. Um, that always gets whittled down. There are five guys left, um, and I'm done with it. It's uh, it's done. It's done. There are five guys in this year's draft class. I am not going to say who they are, and you have to you have to buy the guide if you want to know who those five guys are, and we'll see if we can get a couple right again this year. And again, it's not just for the wide receiver position. There are 
multiple positions. But if you're interested in that, you can head on over to gumroad.greenbaydraftguide, and that will bring you right there. Um, I'll tweet the link out uh, once, you know, this afternoon, once this podcast is out. Or if you want to go to myself or Ross Uglum's uh, or Packer Report's uh, Twitter page, it is our pinned tweet. Um, our dear pal Jacob Westendorf is helping us with it as well, and I believe it is his pin tweet as well. So go get you go get you one of those. It actually drops next Monday. It will be live. It will be in your inbox. You can binge read it all you want. But Ross, that is my three minute sales pitch. I will let you speak at this point in time. Ross, my dear friend, how are you doing, man? Doing well. Very excited to help out with that draft guide, and I finally chosen the direction of my feature article for that draft guide. So very excited to write that. I told the guys in the group chat that I have it written in my head. Now I got to actually write it down. I could never do that. I have to, I have to write stuff down and then put it back in my head and then put it back out. And I still have about 25 million errors in it. Uh, but I never said I was a smart man. So uh, that's just how it is. But yeah, uh, we are, uh, you know, we're excited for you guys to get your hands on that next week. But today we are talking about four wide receivers, and we're just going to kind of dive in and give you our thoughts on them. Um, and I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll jump the gun. I'll tell you who the four that we're going to talk about today are, because at this point, if you're not interested in those four, you can do something else with your life. The four that we're talking about today, um, Jordan Addison, wide receiver, USC, Zay Flowers, wide receiver, Boston College, Rashi Rice, wide receiver, Southern Methodist, and last but not least, Jonathan Mingo the Ole Miss wide receiver. So, Ross, let's jump right in with these guys. I mean, you've got essentially two guys, you know, right out of the gate that I think traditionally with Addison and Flowers that you would look at them, just their stature, their athletic profile, and, you know, tradition would tell us the Packers are probably not interested in those two guys. Is Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I think we've seen a little bit of what we would maybe view, especially like with Amari Rogers, for example. We've seen a little bit of what we would view as some departure from from these tried and true thresholds. But I, I think what you're saying is definitely within the realm of of being, you know, pretty accurate or pretty pretty spot on. And yeah, and I think with the two guys that you can really look at the wide receiver position and say they went outside their norms, it's Amari, Amari Rogers and Randall Cobb. And I think both those guys, when they took them, you know, one was Ted, one was, one was Brian and they both kind of came out and said like, these guys are just, they're weapons. They're maybe not your traditional wide receiver. They're guys that we want to line up in the backfield in the slot out wide. They're going to return kicks and punts. Obviously worked out with Randall really well. If you remember Randall's early career, I mean, he was in the backfield quite a bit. Um, was was a tough cover, and I think they envisioned the same thing with Amari. Just it didn't work out. Uh, but other than that, you look at the wide receivers they brought in, and there there is a very um, there are some very noticeable trends. But with Addison himself, though, I, and it doesn't mean I don't like the two guys. In fact, I you know one of the guys that we're going to talk about, I absolutely love. I just have not let myself fall in love with him because. I just don't think he's going to be a Packer. But Addison, on the other hand, you know, he's the Blentikoff winner from two years ago. And, and you watch his tape. And, Ross, the thing that stands out the most to me with Jordan Addison is 
he's not an explosive athlete. You know, he is a high four or five type guy, but he plays his entire game at that speed. Like you, you know, some guys get in and out of breaks and they have to throttle down and they have to then, you know, ramp back up and get up to full speed. Addison is so clean and smooth in and out of his breaks that when you watch him, you just look at a guy and you're like, well, if there's anyone that is, that's going to be able to do it, it's him. And in the name that people bring up, and it's a lofty, lofty name to bring up uh, with him. And I, but I think they're similar in that way is Antonio Brown because Antonio Brown, smaller guy, not a freakazoid type athlete, just had a really good feel for the game. Just had a really good, uh, you know, was was in like I said earlier, was in and out of his breaks really, really cleanly. And the other thing with Addison that I really like, without being able to talk to the kid, he looks like someone that if you're going to run zone coverage against him, he's going to beat it. Like he just, he knows where to be. He's on the same page with his quarterback. Uh, he's going to get there. I think he's probably, you know, if, if you were a Packer, if you were a Packer, we look at it through that angle. I think he would play in the slot. Um, I think he can play on the outside. And I think his release package is actually decently advanced. Um, I love the way he pairs his hands with his feet off the line of scrimmage. Um, and he make create, you know, he basically, he's a smaller guy and he makes himself a smaller target for bigger corners that are trying to basically disrupt him at the line of scrimmage. Um, and that's just kind of my elevator speech, you know, pitch on Jordan Addison. Um, Ross, when you watch this guy, uh, what were your initial thoughts on him? He reminds me of, I think I, I made this comp or this, this, you know, conversation piece with you. And it's not just an athletic testing thing. Like he reminds me a little bit of Calvin Ridley um the you know the prospect not necessarily Calvin Ridley the NFL player but Calvin Ridley the prospect where like you just see kind of the athletic limitations and you're thinking well he probably won't be one of the best like 10 or 12 receivers in the league but there's certainly a way for him kind of like T Higgins right totally different ways where you're like okay there's probably not like T's probably not going to be one of the best 10 or 12 receivers in the league but boy is there a way for him him being one of the best 30 and that's kind of how I feel about Addison. If you have a really strong number one, like a Christian Watson, and not that he's one of the best 10 or 12, but like he profiles as a feature receiver, then a guy like Addison to pair with a guy like Watson is, to me at least, an interesting kind of thought process. And it's it's also interesting to me because you look at – We've heard all the reports on Hyatt, Jalen Hyatt, who is another really light, light guy. And the Packers traditionally have stayed away from that. Like one of the big markers is like, man, they want you like around or above 200 pounds because what you can do in the run game. So I wonder if if Hyatt, you know, the Olave stuff last year, I do wonder if there is like a little bit of, of change in philosophy. Now, Hyatt and Olave have the, the trump card of just being – you know, ridiculous athletes. And I don't think Addison has that, but to your point, if you're just trying to surround wide receiver, trying to surround Jordan love with good football players, I think that's what Jordan Addison is. And I think he's going to be a productive player. Like you said, do you want to build the plane around Jordan, Jordan Addison and run your offense through him? I don't think so. I think that's a recipe for probably not very good offense, but like you said, when you have a Christian Watson, when you have a guy like Romeo Dobbs that you hope is going to take a year or two jump, can he come in and be that guy? But I think then the other question too, then Ross is, 
Addison's kind of in that weird spot where it's like, man, if they took him at 15, I think a lot of us would be pretty flabbergasted. But is he going to be there at 45? I doubt it. So where would you know where would you be comfortable taking someone like him? Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it, and I think there's some validity. Like I've definitely, you know, heard the the conversation about this class having 15 or 16 guys with first round grades. I, I kind of get that. Like I understand that. I understand. You know, I haven't ranked this group that way, but you can only rank the players that you have in front of you. If that makes sense, if we're really talking about it from a ranking perspective. From a grading perspective, if someone wants to give the Packers an extra second round pick to move from like 15 to 22 and take a guy like Addison, sure. Take a guy like Kincaid at 22. Um, you know, take a guy like Musgrave at 22. Take Laporta at 22. Take whatever, you, you know, Quentin Johnston at 22. Those kind of guys, right? Like that's that's what I'm wondering is, if Green Bay has kind of a flat grade on players 16 through 45, how many of those 45 picks do they want? Maybe, maybe quite a few, maybe. And that's why when the Jets traded for that additional second round pick, my mind immediately went to 42 and 43, and it did not take me very long to say, I'd rather have that. I would rather have that than 13 for everything you kind of just laid out. I don't think this draft is that different from 12 to 60. And that doesn't mean it's a bad class. It just means that's where the meat of this class is with the Addisons, with the Zay flowers. Like that's where you're comfortable taking those guys, you know, taking one of those guys at 15 would be, whew, I think JSN is the, the only pass catcher in this draft class. I'd be happy with at 15. Other than that, yes, trade back or take one in round two, because that's where I think you're going to get a ton of value. And speaking of value, I think you know Zay Flowers is a t- would be is going to be a great value for whatever team that drafts him. He is such an interesting guy because someone that is not talked about on Packers Twitter hardly at all. I mean, he's five nine, one eighty three, or whatever it is, would just be a massive, massive step outside of their traditional thresholds to take. But he is fun, man. He is a fun football player to watch. And as far as being a guy that can take a bubble screen to the house, I think he's the best in this class and his ability in open space in, in a phone booth. Once that ball is in his hand, he's, he's scary. And he's a guy that you talk about, you talk about like, you know, JSN, I don't want to, I don't want to downplay his athleticism because he, I think came out and showed everyone that he's a damn good athlete but he is a little bit different as far as like your traditional slot type guys, because I think Zay is a little bit more of a home run threat than JSN is. I think JSN is pretty much better at everything else, including the blocking aspect, which the Packers are going to love. But man, you talk about wanting to get someone for your young quarterback that can take a, a simple, you know, three step slant to the house and kind of get them that little bit of confidence. All of what, what Christian did in that Philadelphia game, you know, that's you see what that can do for a young quarterback and, and, and his confidence, you know, just a simple crossing route and poof, he's gone. That's, that's nice for the stat. That's nice for the stats. That's nice for the young quarterback to make a simple throw over the middle of the field. And boom, you got a 60 yard touchdown pass. Like that feels good. That's stuff you like. And I think, I think you brought it up Ross last week, maybe where it's like, Hey, what the Bengals have done with Joe Burrow is, is potentially what it's not potentially what I'd like to see. It's absolutely what I'd like to see 
But that might be a thought process that the Packers are having to say, hey, look what this young kid has done in Cincinnati. We think we have a really good player in Jordan Love, and we want to put just dogs around him. Um, and I think that's the whole thought process behind all of that. And I think Flowers, as far as just explosiveness and you know big play ability, is all of that. I've heard from uh, since, I mean, gosh, since the East-West Shrine game that he went to instead of the Senior Bowl, people have talked about don't be surprised when he's the first wide receiver off the board. And right away I heard that. I was like, really? But the more we get into it and the more you look at this year's draft class of wide receivers, the more it's like, man, would it shock you to see New England take him at 14? Would it shock you to see Houston take him at 12? I don't I don't think it should because I think he is that type of player. I just have not really let my mind go there because of what we know about the Packers. But, buddy, if they took him, I would not be mad about it. Would not be mad at all about it. What are your – I know the, the thing too, Ross, I'll ask you about Zay here in a second, but – for whatever reason, a lot of people early in this process kind of put Zay and Downs like in the same bucket of like, hey, here are two really fun slot type receivers. And for whatever reason, I always hate this about draft Twitter, like you had to pick one for some reason. Um, but what are your thoughts on on Zay? And you know, and we don't have to talk about Downs because he's not our guy to talk about. But what uh, what's your opinion on the young the young flowers from Boston College? Oh, I, I really like him. Yeah, I really like him. Uh, Zay, for me, is a top 30 player. Um, he's wide receiver three for me, and actually there's a decent kind of – it goes JSN, QJ, and then like a shelf, Zay Flowers, and then a shelf, and Hyatt, Downs, and Addison, right? So he's kind of all by himself in that – man, like Zay Flowers – if they traded down to 25 and grabbed a bunch of extra picks for going down from 15 and got Zay Flowers, to me, that would be a big deal. Um, that would be an excellent use of resources. That would be kind of the way of doing things that I think would make a lot of sense. I, I don't know if I'm going to you know, pre- predict that in any way, but... I, but I, no, one, no one predicted the Jair trade, which right. would be similar oh. to that because everyone well, is kind of the same in that regard of like, Everyone, I love Jair at Louisville, but I just did. I was like, oh, they're not going to take him. He's too small. And then they did. And we were all like, cool. <laughs> and now he's and also awesome. So, sort of the, a little bit too of the parallel, right? Of like, well, the guy is, the guy is JSN, right? And so that draft, the guy was Denzel Ward. But, the Packers didn't get Denzel Ward, and it turns out they went fine. Now, I am not going to sit here and tell you I would rather have, say, Flowers than JSN, because I wouldn't. My kingdom for JSN, I have said this many times. Still, I think especially if you get to trade down to do it, just a heck of a consolation prize. And the Packers wanted Denzel Ward something awful in that year's class, too. There was a lot of rumors heading into the week of that draft. And maybe it was lying. Maybe it was posturing. I don't know. But the Packers were trying to move up for Denzel Ward. He went like fourth. So I don't think that was going to happen. But uh, it would be similar. You know, who knows how it all plays out. But that's that's a great 
lesson for any person that follows the draft too is we really don't know until later on. Denzel Ward's a good football player too, but he's not Jair. Like they go back, they would not, you know, you'd, you'd flop those guys. But in any case, I'm going to let you talk about the next guy first because um, he's someone that I was, we just were talking about our rankings before. And I surprised myself how high he is on my rankings. Um, and that's Rashi Rice, the SMU wide receiver. Ross, talk to me about Rashi. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, I think, like, obviously the thing that jumps off the page with Rashi and, and you know, when we talk about wide receivers in the Green Bay Packers is, is the RAS score. Um Excellent, freakish, freakish explosive numbers with a 48-inch vert and a 10-8 broad, an acceptable 40 at 4.51 with elite 10 and 20-yard splits, and then he didn't flunk the agilities, all while being, you know, shade under 6.1 and 205. Like, he is a big-time athlete um, and an interesting guy to kind of pair with a Watson where he is a 4-5-1 guy. He's not a 4-3-3 guy. You know what I mean? And, excuse me. I was going to do that when you were talking, but such is life. Uh, um, yeah, and, 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 you know, you always wonder, guys that come out of those styles of offenses, um, I, I would assume – at SMU, there's still in a ton of 10 personnel, uh, maybe some 11, but like they're not lining up with two tight ends and running outside zone and then running bootleg actions off of outside zone. Uh, I, I, I will tell you what's going on in Dallas is not the same thing as what's going on at the Packers offense. So you're always talking about, A, the adjustment to Green Bay's offense, and B, just like, well, how much does this super wide SMU, Oklahoma State, style of offense translate and, and that's that's kind of the big question the top end speed but boy um you know he does do some things well and it, it, that that explosive testing you know the explosive numbers that you just see like that shows up in a short area he's he's athletic um he, he's able to win at the catch point, and I think he got better. Not much of a route tree at this at this time, but again, that's like a lot of that is I, I think might have to do with where he is with 
kind of that program and what they do well and what they ask of their guys, right? And that that was a big thing with Christian, right? Is what, okay, well, what has he done is not necessarily what can he do? You know, can't isn't the same as hasn't yet. <laughs> and and that I think is some, maybe some of the questions we could have answered with Rache Rice. Right, and he's someone that through the process – I got ragged a little bit because I was like, man, I think he's a better athlete than what some people are saying. Because you look yeah. at right, but you look at the tape and it's like, well, he doesn't he doesn't separate. He doesn't separate like you want him to. And I think we overrate that a little bit. And I, I mean, of course you'd you'd like to see more separation and stuff, but you look at like what he does on, you know, they give him end arounds. They give him, you know, room to work and he he uses it. He's a strong dude too. I mean, he's six two, above two hundred pounds. Um and something else, Ross, that I think a lot of people, when you talk about like, hey, Packers, receivers, um, Rashi is someone that I think a lot of people pinned immediately. And we're like, that guy very much is one. And they're right. He is. He hits all their athletic thresholds. I mean, he's I'll just I mean, I'm spilling the beans here. But he's, he's a guy. He's he's a guy that uh, is going to be like an eight out of eight tier one Packer because of his testing, because of everything. And the other thing that I think a lot of people don't understand with what the Packers do at the wide receiver position is they love productivity as well. Like Christian in a way was kind of an outlier because he never had a thousand yard season, but you dig deeper on that and you kind of understand why he the opportunity just wasn't really there for him to do that. But you look at guys like, like Greg Jennings, when he was drafted, was in the top three in catches and yards his senior year in the NCAA. Uh, Jordy Nelson, same thing. Devontae Adams, same thing. Uh, James Jones had, was, had like three years of like plus 700 yards receiving at San, uh, San Jose State. Uh, Randall Cobb had crazy production at Kentucky. Uh, Romeo Dubs had 2,000-yard, uh, two 1,000-yard two, two receiving years. And these are... Rashi Rice's stats from last year's 96 catches, fifth in the NCAA, 1,355 yards, third in the NCAA. So, like, here's another guy that all their athletic thresholds. Oh, and then, by the way, he also checks off the productivity box. Like, this is a kid that if you want to bet money on someone being a Packer, there's about four guys that I would be very confident in saying, like, I think one of them is going to be a Packer. And I think Rashi is, is one of them. And one thing that does scare me about him and someone brought this up to me because like, well, he doesn't separate that well. He is like a contested catch type guy. Um, like you said, Ross, I think there's plenty of room to grow as a route runner. He's pretty raw in that regard right now, but someone comped him to Denzel Mims and you know, when someone says something, you're just kind of like, Oh, that does make sense. And maybe that's just the fear that's coping. I don't know, but guys that do win contested in the NFL or in college, I think are really hard to project if they can do that in the NFL. Like we talked about, talked about T Higgins already. He is a guy like that. That's how he won at Clemson was he was a go get the ball. And he still does it. He can still do it in the NFL. But then for every T Higgins, there's a Laquan Treadwell who. No, there's five of them. Well, yeah, yeah, right. But I got, I got roasted and I, I look, I'll take my L whatever, but I spent a lot of time on the bird app, you know, telling people that like, no T Higgins working out would be the weird thing. 
like yeah. th- there's a very narrow set of circumstances or a very low person like his hit rate is not going to be high can it work out sure but he's going to end up being the exception that proves the rule more than you know and and look great good for him maybe he had a rough night the night before i don't know maybe he's a little bit more athletic or maybe he just is that damn technically sound you know, but you're for every T. Higgins, there are five Laquan Treadwells. Well, and that's what's tough to figure out with Rice, right? I mean, and their names him, are Nikhil Harry. Sorry, Nikhil Harry is another one. But Nikhil tested well. You know, Hakeem Butler, another one, tested really well. Um, didn't separate very well in college, and so there is stuff like that that I think you do have. It's kind of a buyer beware type thing with Rice now. I will say this, like if the Packers are in on him and draft him, then maybe this is arrogant, probably is. I do trust the Packers' evaluation at the wide receiver position. They've proven to be really good at it. Uh, they're, obviously, they've got some misses and some bad ones, but more often than not, they get these guys right. And if that's the way they want to go, I'll just trust it. And Because I think, I think there's more there. I think there's more to get out of it. The thing I will say about like the Denzel Mims, about the Laquan Treadwells, all those guys, I didn't think they were that explosive on tape. And their their testing surprised me that they tested well. I wasn't surprised with Rice that he tested well. Some people are though. So, you know, you have to take that all into account. The last guy that we're going to talk about here has honestly become kind of a a Packers Twitter darling and has really kind of been a, a Twitter darling this last week and has had a, a steady incline throughout this entire process. I remember first watching him when I was going through the senior bowl guys and, and saying, you know, in the draft DMS like, Hey, this Jonathan Mingo guy is intriguing because he's six two, like two twenty. He moves pretty well. Oh, and by the way, he was pretty productive at Ole Miss as well. They use him in a, in a unique way. I mean, they, they really – they use him, like, as a fullback at times. They'll line him up in the backfield and let him just go block, and it's it's fun. And he is a guy that if he catches the ball and you try to tackle him, he wants to know that you tackled him. He's not just going to, like, fall down. He is a, a tough SOB. And if the Packers want to replace the Alan Lazard role in this offense, I think Mingo is a really, really intriguing option. Because I think Mingo can do all that stuff that Lazard does, but I think his upside is also a lot higher. I think he can be more than that. Um, I think someone's like, oh, he's A.J. Brown. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. Maybe. Maybe. But, you know, these Ole Miss kids, like, they they play with a, a, a tenacity that is, is kind of fun. And the kid that they had last year, Ontario Drummond, kind of played in that same role. Uh, where they would you would know, put him in the slot, they put him in the backfield. He would block. He'd kick out the ends, like all that stuff. But he wasn't anywhere near the athlete that Mingo is. And Mingo was hurt two years ago, so he didn't really get a chance to showcase his ability until you know, kind of this year. I think he kind of slid under the radar, and then people saw him in person at the Senior Bowl. People saw his testing, and there's a lot to like about Jonathan Mingo. Um, I think we're similar in the sense, Ross, where it's like, man, I, I've had some people tell me he's going to go late, you know, early round two. And I was like, wow, that would that'd be rich for me. I still have a day three grade on him. I think he's a I think he's a fourth or fifth round pick is where I'd be comfortable taking him. But in this year's draft class, 
I think the, I think you get outside of those first four or five guys, and then it's kind of a hey, what do you like? And and trying to position where these guys are going to go in this year's draft class, I think, is really difficult because it's not as deep as it's been in the past. Um, I think like in last year, the last couple of years draft class classes, I think Mingo very easily would be a fourth, fifth, sixth round pick because there'd be so many guys in front of him. But without that top tier depth, you know, how far do these guys get pushed up? But Ross, what are your thoughts on the, on the old miss kid? It's a tough one, right? Um, and I think I had a round five on him just because I don't know what to do with him. Um, I, you know, I think, people make the Lazard thing right. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think he's probably shorter than Allen. Um, I don't know that he's necessarily completely the blocker that Allen is, but he's a better athlete. He is more explosive. You know, I think you can have some other things you can do with him. Uh, is he like a souped up Josiah Deguara? Is he like super Deguara? Maybe. I his his thing for and that wasn't just thinking of it from a Packers perspective either. It's just like, boy, how does this guy fit into all thirty two offenses in the NFL? I don't know who is he, and that's a tough thing, right? When you can't make the comp, you can't figure out where he slides in, and that's kind of that was more of the difficult part for me was the questions of just like, okay, where where does he slide in? Where does he make sense? Yeah, I I think that's fair and. We talk about Rice and people like, oh, he doesn't separate. Neither does Mingo. You know, Mingo, you watch his highlights or you watch his tape and you watch, you know, several of his games. There's not there's not a ton of film of him, one, getting vertical, and there's not a ton of film of him, two, separating. And, like, what I think he is really good at is I think he's really good after the catch. I think, like I said, he's a bulldog with the ball in his hands. And I think, man, you just crossing routes – flats, slants, like all that short to intermediate stuff. I think you can make a, a, a living you know, for a long time in the NFL doing that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, to me, what he is, is he's like an off, he's kind of like, I don't know. He's like off brand JSN to me because one, he's not as good of a route runner. I mean, he's not as good really at anything as JSN, but he is a, a bigger slot type that I think that's where you want to play him. And I think you want to have him kind of working the middle of the field and doing his damage with the ball in his hands after the catch. I think JSN, you know, is so much better intellectually. <laughs> is you know, not that Mingo's not a smart football player, but I think that's really where JSN is is just so special. Um, but Mingo can do some of that stuff. And if you're looking for a slot, a big slot type, I think Mingo is a guy to get excited about. And yeah, I would. I'd love it if if you're in Green Bay, if the if the price is right now. Like if they take him at 45 in round two, I would, you know, I could talk myself into it. I guess I would say, I think, man, I think that's really early, but I've been wrong about that stuff before. And like I said, this is just kind of a hard class to to pair these guys. So so that's that's difficult. But um, but you know, that's that that is what is fun about the NFL draft too. And as we wrap it up here. Um, We'll, we'll leave it at that, I guess. You know, Ross and I will be back next week uh, probably talking about four different players in this year's draft class that could be a lot of fun, uh, could be Packers, uh, and we'll, we'll walk it through, you know, whether or not that makes sense for the Packers, how they'd fit with them, and, and all that good stuff and, and, uh, and, and all of that. So thank you guys for joining us, and uh, we'll catch you next time. And until then, go Pack Go!
Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.